Hello, my name's Scott. You're listening to The Joys of Teaching Literature. We're here talking about all things high school English. Actually, today is a good example of something where we're just talking about teaching in general. Just thinking actually about uh, changing this to the joys of teaching. Because <laughs> I feel like a lot of uh, the things I talk about cross over into other disciplines. Uh, you can just replace literature with whatever it is that you're teaching. And a lot of the same things apply. I think the idea that we can be creative and, you know, make visuals of things, you know, create audio recordings of things, write, you know, express how we sort of understand something in words. You know, literacy crosses over so many different um, things in education. Um, and, you know, when a child is sitting and, and learning and they're really invested in, in their learning and they're passionate about it and you're passionate about it and people are excited to be there and there's a positive feeling in the room uh, it doesn't really matter what we're talking about you know because all those things like engagement you know, is something that we can kind of be thinking about across disciplines but anyway so i offer online professional development for high school english teachers and for general education teachers i just created a course fairly recently in the spring uh, that is for kind of all teachers with the objective to make teaching easy, fun, uh, something that you can get excited to do every day, <laughs> which you know, we do. I, I remember a supervisor of mine telling me that you, know, you, you got the best job in the world. You know, you come in and you just talk about the thing that, that you decided was you know, the most fascinating or interesting thing in, in all fields of knowledge. Uh, and you get to do that every day with, and, and share that love with, with children. Uh, who are then going to go off into the world with the knowledge that you share with them. And it, it really is not only one of the most important jobs, but one of the, one of the most fun jobs. And I, I always, whenever people ask me about teaching, I think they think I'm going to talk about, you know, unruly kids and disgruntled parents. But really, it's, it's, it's none of those things. I think we, we work year after year to kind of make it so that most kids enjoy coming to our class. And so that's really what we're, we're sort of talking about is, making learning um, meaningful, something that, that, that they can carry out into the world with them, projects that, that, that you know, this is what I talked about a lot in my last podcast is uh, free literacy blocks where kids can really just pursue their own um, interests and curiosities. Again, this can apply to any field of knowledge. It doesn't have to be literature and language. Uh, it can be really anything. Um, we just give them free time. Just give them free time once in a while. You know, my school, I don't know what the sort of general model is for scheduling, but I feel like there's always either on a Friday or a Monday or Wednesday maybe, or long, if you have a longer block of time, we have longer blocks of time every once in a while. So anytime you have those longer blocks of time, it's a really great opportunity to allow people to sort of pursue their own interests. So we're just sort of brainstorming all these sort of fun things. Um, that you can do. If you want to know more, uh, read my blogs or listen to my podcast. <laughs> Sorry, you're listening to my podcast. Um, so you obviously know where to find it. Um, but my website's theteachersworkshop.com. Um, and so this week we're, we're talking about hacks, you know, little, little things that we do, um, little routines that we, that we come up with um, to, to make our lives easier. And I think some of these things I, I get from other teachers, you know, that book, Teach Like a Champion, is a really good book that's filled with these little things that teachers do. 
sometimes we don't even realize that we're doing it. You know, I remember when I read that book, I was like, oh yeah, I do that, I do that. Um, so there's just sort of little things that we can um, do to, to, to basically uh, make learning the focus of our classroom. And that, that, sounds, <laughs> that sounds crazy, but we all know that uh, it's, there's, so many, there's so many different things like transitioning between activities, handing papers out, um, talking about when stuff's due or what's coming up. You know, there's these things that, that happen in the classroom that are not related to learning. And of course, in the culture we live in, the educational culture, testing is, is you know, being prioritized more and more. Accountability and all these different things, especially if you're in a, in a, in a depends on your district, I guess. But you know, whether it be AP exams or the state testing that's going on in your school, uh, there's always... Um, different things that take us away from the, the, the reason that we got into teaching and the, and the things that we love about teaching, which is just pursuing uh, knowledge and pursuing wisdom and curiosity, uh, compassion, you know, all these different things we want our kids to learn, to, be, to really care about contributing to the world and making the world better um, and having a better understanding of, of why things are the way they are uh, in whatever field that they're studying. Um, so, so to get to that, to, to, to prior, it's really a matter of prioritizing that learning and we should really be thinking in terms of percentages, like what percentage of our classroom time do we spend on actual learning on just conversations, uh, answering questions, um, listening to a lecture, watching uh, a video or reading an article, um, reading passages out loud, talking about the text um, and making meaning of, of things. You know, how, what kind of percentage are we talking? It should really be 100%. <laughs> of course, we have to assess. But again, think about all the different ways that the state or college board uh, already assesses our kids. Uh, and of course, we can make assessments that are valuable to us, that help us understand where they are. But, but and practice makes perfect, of course, but when you're when you're assessing, you're not always learning when you're when you're performing for your teacher. Of course, a little bit, um, you know, especially when you're speaking out loud, or again, not to mention creating a podcast or a video. Um, you're learning because you're you're you know it's trial and error, uh, getting feedback on that learning. So it's not that there's not learning going on with assessment, but we really want to think about how we can we eliminate the the little distractions um, that come up uh, in our classrooms. That, that are basically that, that waste time. Um, and you know, there's no feeling quite like when you discover a small classroom routine that makes your life uh, easier. I remember uh, you know, wasting, you know, sometimes you know, early in my career, a whole class period, just collecting books and you know, have to fill out this card because you know, we get a lot of novels to read. So it's like, I gotta collect the novel, I gotta give the next novel out. You got to return work. Sometimes at the end of the unit, you got to start the next unit. So you're given quizzes on what they're, what, what's about to come. Uh, it's just a lot of different sort of paperwork, you know, busy work, uh, different things that we do um, that make our classrooms really chaotic and loud, but not in a, in a way that where anything's getting done, um, where no learning happens. So over the years, I, I you know, try to tweak little things. I, I try to take little piece of advice sometimes from my colleagues. Like, oh, you, oh yeah, you don't put grade on an essay, or you don't put grade on this. Well, why don't why don't you do that? And just little things that we, you know, that I just 
kind of came up with. I'm like, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm just going to do it this way. Um, so the objective is, of course, to maximize the amount of time students spend learning and minimize the time spent on the other stuff. So here's a five small routines to help my help your classroom run smoothly. The first thing that I've learned to do over the years is to collect work in bundles. So instead of collecting uh, daily individual assignments, I now try to bundle as much classwork as possible so I can grade and return the work all at once. I can still check on their progress by walking around the room, you know, reading their responses to different things, asking them questions. You know, so there's different ways of you know, knowing if they're learning the material. It doesn't always have to be collecting something at the end of every class period. You know, if you have 100, 200, 100, over 100, 125 students, that's a lot of little grades to enter into a grade book. You know, so <laughs> I know no one who's listening to this enjoys opening up the dreaded grade book. It's, it's, it's just the least, it's our, my least favorite, something I always hear teachers talking about, the least favorite part of their job. And even my supervisors talk about it. It's like, oh, I just hated grading. So let's do it less or do it in a way where if you collect things all at once, um, then you only have to open that book once and you give grades, one grade for a couple of different assignments. And if there's something missing, that's a little daily assignment, then you just give a grade you know, like you know, if something's missing, I don't know. You have to kind of figure out what the weight is. But if it's a C or or a B because there's something missing, if there's five things that you're collecting from that week, perhaps, um, and that way, and I learned that that I can avoid zeros that way. They still sort of get penalized for not turning in the work, um, but it doesn't crush them. Um, yeah, the purpose of of classwork, the stuff that they do in class, is to help students perform on a final assessment, whatever it is that you're doing in class, that you're, you're kind of practice, right? Practice this, practice that. And all of that, it, the objective of all of that is, is to give them something to study from, right? That, those are their sort of notes that they're taking um, where they're completing uh, problems, whether it's math or science, um, you know, any kind of lecture that they're taking notes on. Uh, if it's any kind of handout where they're gathering any kind of evidence, if it's social studies class, you're gathering evidence about a war that you're studying or something like that, all of that work should be collected right before the final assessment. And that gives you a chance to, to really, you know, again, collect it all at once. Um, I give a, as basically as, as limited amount of homework as possible. Uh, so that's an, another opportunity, just <laughs> eliminate homework. <laughs> Or, or, or really reduce it. And that's class time that you don't have to spend you know, collecting that work or grading that work. Uh, so you can just kind of really give a bare bones expectation for the work that you, and I, this is interesting. I stopped um, assigning so many pages of this one particular assignment that I give where they take notes on the novels they read. And I didn't really find kids... Uh, reduce the amount that they completed. Sometimes if you if you make it a minimum, they will do more than the minimum. They'll sort of see value in it. If they see the value in it, they'll do more work. Um, sometimes. <laughs> There's, of course, kids that are going to do the minimum. Um, but a lot of kids, if, if, if they see the value in it, they'll do more. Um, and that's just sort of up to them. And if you give them that freedom uh, to, to, to take notes on whatever it is that they're reading, Again, whether it be history or science or whatever it is, um, you know, completing problems, 
Um, if you give the minimum, sometimes they'll, they'll understand that it, that it will help them if they do it. It should help them if they do it. Uh, then, of course, uh, you can collect that right before you give your assessment. Uh, and then you're, you're grading the assessment and then you're grading the classwork all at once. It's just one time that you open up your book, you give uh, fewer grades. What I notice too is that online, when they're looking at their grades, if you have, I remember early in my career, I had so many different grades in there. Um, and it didn't, it, it, it's at some point, it just doesn't make sense because there's so many. And you're just looking at, you know, 10, 20, 30, I don't know, I'm just making up numbers, right? Per quarter. You just get lost in all these numbers. This way, you're just looking at a few numbers over the course of a quarter, and, and, it, and it kind of think about college, right? Where they sometimes will give you. I've, I've had college courses where they have a hundred points for the entire. Now this is a half a year course, right? But or a quarter. You know, I don't. I can't remember if we did. Yeah, we didn't really even do quarters, right? We just did the semester, and uh, you would have a hundred points total. And so you could see like 10 points for this, you know, final project, 20 points, you know, that sort of thing where you just add up and then you have a little five point assignment, but it all adds up to a hundred points and it makes sense because you can look at it and say, okay, this is, you know, what this is worth in the class. And if you have too many things, then what is worth what, or what's valued in the class is not really clear. So if they want to know something about their progress or if the parents want to know something about their progress, the fewer the grades, the better. Right, so the second thing is hand back gradeless work from your desk. So this is a really small thing. I used to run around class <laughs> like a madman trying to return work to each individual student, right? You have this huge stack of papers, you gotta run over here, you gotta you know, run to the back of the class, you gotta run to the front of the class. Like, where is that student sitting? Maybe they're changing seats every day. Maybe you have assigned seats, you know where it is, where they are. Um, <laughs> I got in my steps. It's a good workout for, for, for me, but it was a huge waste of time, right? Actually walking around the class, child by child, just a huge way. And what do they do, right? Maybe you have an assignment that they're doing while you do that, um, but, but you're not obviously having conversations about that assignment. You're not giving them feedback on that assignment. You're not helping them with the directions or clarifying the work. You're only turning back work. Um, so it's, it's, you're not doing anything regardless of what it is they're doing. Um, and part of the reason I did that is because I used to put grades on assignments. But when you put a grade on assignment, people say, what well, did you get on this assignment? <laughs> right? And they start comparing the work that they did with uh, the work that another student did and they're getting jealous or they're getting disappointed in themselves. Um, they're not seeing the big picture, right? When you put the grade online, you enter it and it, and it calculates it contributes to the to the final quarter grade, um, which may not be that much of a drop as they imagined it to be because I have weighted categories. And so when you have weighted categories, one single grade is not going to make that much of a difference when you're talking about you know, a handful of grades that are already in there. But when you see a single grade, you kind of freak out because you're like, oh my gosh, what's this going to do? My parents are going to be so upset, but when they see the, the big picture, they realize, ah, oh, my grade's still a B, you know, so I'm good. You know, so that C didn't, didn't push me down that much, and I can always do better next time. And that's what it's really all about, and they're not comparing themselves to other people. Um, so, you know, for all those privacy reasons that we hand back individual assignments, that sort of takes away some of those uh, re you know, reasons to give individual work back. It doesn't matter if there's no grade on it. So what, what I would do is just uh, 
throw the uh, throw the work on my desk. So think about this, right? I I read the student's name out loud, really loud, because <laughs> it is kind of you know they're not doing anything. You might give them some work to do, but it, it takes so little time that it doesn't matter. I just read their name out, Charlie, Brittany. Right? I just go as fast as you can. <laughs> you just throw it down on your desk as you read it out loud, and they come up and they get it. And they look at the desk, they look around for their name. You know, sometimes you can kind of give them a little assistance. So yours, yours is over here, yours is over here. And, uh, and it's quick and it's easy, right? And, and when, when, they're not, when there's no grades on it, when they get it, they can um, focus on the feedback. So if it's a major assignment and there's a bunch of feedback on it, they're not, they're not getting upset about the grade. They're just worried about you know, what they could do better. Um, and then they can focus on their revision. And, and, or if it's, say, a math test, they can focus on, well, I want to correct you know, I want to see this problem I got wrong, and I want to spend some time correcting it. And I want to understand why I got it wrong so that you can comprehend you know, what, what it was you're supposed to learn. Um, you know, that sort of thing. So they're not really focused on the grade itself. Of course, that, you know, if it's a math test, I'm sure they could like calculate it for themselves or whatever. Um, but that's the other sort of advantage. They don't really sort of have to sort of guess. You might have to guess at what they are, you know, add up all the numbers and figure out what they got. But, you know, if there's a curve, for instance, you know, you say, hey, don't worry about it. It's curved. You know, you check out your grade tonight. It's not as bad as you think it is. That sort of thing, right? Um, grades for, for informal classwork, so I talked a little bit about major tests, but, but informal classwork, uh, they function mostly as a check to make sure they're, they're just doing the work. It's not that it's meaningless work, it's still important work. You know, in my class, they're interpreting evidence. That's basically what, what you're doing in every class, right? You have some fact that you have to sort of understand um, and, and demonstrate your knowledge of that fact. So, it's practice. You know, you're coming in class, you're practicing it, you're giving them feedback as they're doing it. Uh, it's not, the, the point is not f feedback on the paper, it's feedback in conversation as they're asking questions in class. Um, so, so that's another sort of advantage there too. Um, the process that I'm describing takes as much time as it does to quickly read 25 names. As soon as, as fast as you can quick read 25 names, if there's multiple assignments, you're talking like 50 names, so we're talking a minute or two, right? Yeah, I mean, you have to give them time to get up out of their seat. But in theory, they're all getting up out of their seat, and it's just reducing the amount of time that you have to walk around for each individual kid. Um, and since I'm bundling work, like I talked about in the last one, uh, I only take a very small amount of class time uh, to return work. It's, it's really every few weeks. So I'm not doing this on a daily basis, right? I'm only doing it every couple of weeks. So it's not only a quick process, but it doesn't happen that often. Uh, so number three is be flexible with time management. Once had a student teacher, <laughs> this is kind of funny. She was like, what do you do when there's a small group of students who complete their work early? You know, what do you, do you give them extra work? Like that doesn't seem fair. You know, they worked hard. So, so what do you do? And I honestly, I was like, I don't know. I was like, that's a really good question. Uh, and then I sort of slept on it, went home, I, th I thought about it, and it suddenly came to me like, oh, wait, I do do something. So I came in the next day, and I was like, this is weird. I remember what I do <laughs> because it's, it was like this unconscious thing that I didn't really think about. I didn't have a, a formal procedure that I could sort of tell myself this is what I do in those situations. I just, 
I do certain things, right? It's like, again, reading like the book, uh, Teach Like a Champion, like a lot of the stuff in there I was already doing. Like, oh yeah, that's sort of the name for, for what I do. Um, what she was asking me was a larger question about how to manage time in general. It wasn't necessarily just about these kids that are finishing up, but it's, it's all of them, right? Because you have kids that finish really fast, but then you have kids uh, who finish really, who, who are working too slow. So, so you want to sort of figure out how to deal with that. A minute here, we know this, right? If you're a good teacher, you know that a minute here and there really adds up to a lot. And this is, this is why I think early in my career, I gave more homework or teachers tend to give more homework because there's all this wasted class time you know, on stuff other than learning. So we're sort of making up for it by, by assigning homework um, for all that lost class time. So I think if you really maximize your class time, um, you won't have, you won't be, you won't have to, to make, to expect students to make it all up at home. Um, I think over the years we learned how much time activities will take, but <laughs> it never ceases to amaze me how often students, um, two things, how often they need less time than I expected, or they need more time than I expected. You know, year after year, you, you kind of tweak different activities, but some of them are the same. You're going to go over this many passages in this handout. You're going to you know, answer the question related to the topic that you go over. You're going to have some kind of takeaway at the end, or if it's you know creating a movie or something like that. But certain classes, they get, either they get really into an assignment and they're doing a better job with it, or they're not as interested, or it's, you know, there, there's things like, it's raining, you know, or it's it's second period, and they're, they're getting hungry, and they're tired, you know, it's a million reasons why an activity is going to, they're going to sort of blast through it, because um, there's some assembly coming up, and they just want to get the work done, and socialize, and they know the faster they can get it done, they, the more they can kind of talk and chat about what's coming up next, there's, there's just so many reasons. Um, that, that activities take different amounts of time. So it's really important um, to walk around that, to, to, to walk around the room uh, when they're doing activity. If, if you have a really good activity, <laughs> sometimes I feel like, I think there was this moment when I, it's like the third or fourth year, where I sort of got good at, at making activities. And, and when you know when you make a good activity, sometimes you're, it's, it's so good that you're like interrupting the conversation. You feel like even when you when you float around the room and you try to talk to them about what's going on or answer any questions, they're just so in, involved in the conversation that it's like, go away. We're talking about this. <laughs> we don't want you a part of this conversation because we're getting to the answer here. and We're really sinking our teeth in here. That's what I love. But I actually don't have to walk around the class and clarify the directions or... Um, give them something to think about. But there's a lot of different things, obviously, that we can do as we walk around the classrooms. Um, like we ask, I ask additional, say if they finish early, I can ask additional questions that, that gives them something else to talk about or points them in a more meaningful direction. Um, we have general conversations about the text, so I can sort of chime in on whatever it is that they're talking about. Uh, if there's a difficult part of the activity where there's a passage that they're stuck on or they're arguing about or they don't know the plot point, or the context, really, something like that that's giving them trouble. You can kind of help them out there so to, get, you know, to catch them up with the rest of the class. You know, maybe they're falling behind because they're stuck on one thing. Um, or again, if there's, a, if there's a, a group that's not going fast enough, 
you can, I sometimes will just say, Hey, you're, you're taking too much time on this. Don't, don't think so much, right? Like you're just, you read the passage, make a quick interpretation of it. And other times, you know, we might be doing a close reading and I'll say, you know, I really want you to go through this line by line. You only found two or three things here, but there's really a lot more going on. Think about this, that, and the other thing and spend a little bit more time on this. You're not finding everything that you need to find, right? So it just kind of depends on the activity um, and, and the general sort of movement of the class. Um, yeah, if, if a group finishes early, I might get them to consider other questions or problems. Um, but, but, you know, I'm not, I'm also not, um, and I'll talk about the how to, how to manage time in a second, but I think it's important to not have a classroom that's just a hundred percent work, right? Like that's kind of what I'm describing is like how to have a hundred percent learning going on. But at the same time, if a, if a group was working really well together, they do a really great job. You look at their work, they're making really great points about the passages and they just finish before everybody else. Sometimes I'll just talk to them. You know, if they're eating a snack, I'll talk about, you know, like, or so I know it's uh, talk about food or what's for lunch or I don't know what I love. I really love talking about food. Um, I've got a lot of good, uh, good snack and, and food ideas for my students. But, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, if I know that they're they're into a particular sport because I see a lacrosse stick hanging around or an instrument hanging around, I talked about music. What's your favorite musician? I talk about different music that I like. There's assembly that just happened that they got back from. Maybe I'm talking to them about the assembly and what happened and just kind of laughing about it. Uh, any kind of activities that they do after school. The new, of course, the news. Hey, did you guys see this thing in the news? What do you think about that thing? Uh, maybe it's ridiculous. Maybe it's really disturbing. The weather, right? We can talk about the weather with them. Just, just connect with them, and and sometimes those things, like the news, really do relate to to the book that we read. You know, if you're reading Hamlet or something, right? Something about power, uh, politics, family, all those different things that Hamlet's about. There's always an opportunity uh, to link these random sort of things in their life, uh, or just make jokes about, say, if like Hamlet played a sport or whatever. You know, just being light and fun with the kids. If they're finished an activity, you know, instead of just having them sit there and socialize, just go join. Sometimes I just go join them. You know, it's for a minute or two while everybody else kind of finishes up. Um, you know, those conversations are just as meaningful and important as conversations about what we teach. Our conversation area often spills over into their lives in, in, in unexpected ways. But of course, the main reason to walk around the room during activity is to figure out the general pace of the class and to set a stop time when everyone should be finished. I might start by saying, you know, take 20 minutes. This, this activity should take 20 minutes. And I, oftentimes they'll ask, you know, like, how much time do we have for this? Because they want to, they if, if that's a part of the routine where you're talking about time a lot, then they 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 kind of take on that culture of the class. Where like how much how you know how ooh this looks like it's going to take a while. Can we have the whole period or oh this shouldn't take long. You know they're honest. They're honest because because I ask them because I care about not making things stressful and I care about giving them enough time where they can enjoy activity. You don't want to push them too hard, but you also don't want to give them too much time where people start messing around and you've got an unruly class on your hands. Right? Um, you want to have a comfortable good pace to the class. That's a balance between, you know, super speedy and nobody's learning anything and you're pushing the kids who are behind, you know, and they're not learning anything because they just kind of 
didn't get anything because you just pushed them along and said, hurry up. And, you know, so you want to try to find that balance. Um, so I might say this is going to take 20 minutes, but then, you know, maybe 10 minutes pass and I see that they're kind of taking their time, working their way through and they're really reading the passages. Uh, and then I'll say, you know what, you know, let's take another 20 minutes on this one. You know, or uh, if it's they're going through it really quickly, I'll say, you know what, people are, are almost done. Uh, let's let's take five more minutes, and so people can kind of look at the clock, and it do, it doesn't matter. <laughs> this is kind of a, a thing that I think I again another thing I do unconsciously. It doesn't matter if it's five minutes, because it just matters that that we're ready to move on, and and they don't want to be bored. They don't want to sit there with nothing to do. Um, so they'll tell you how much much time it's going to take, and if it's five minutes, but maybe it's seven minutes, right? It's just that general feeling of like we're going to take the amount of time that it's going to take to do the work, do it well. And I, I think as the years move along, I get more and more comfortable eliminating things from my plans uh, if we don't get, get to it. You know, say activity takes twice as long as I thought it would. Say it takes three days instead of one day. You know, sort of extreme example. I'm okay eliminating the other two days of plans that I had because they got something out of this other thing and it's okay we don't have to get to everything that we planned we just have to get to the things that they found meaning in and that they really enjoyed doing um, and yeah i think that that's always important to remember as well um, another approach is to say you know not even not even time wise right because that that might stress people out talking about time all of the time right um, another approach is like, hey, uh, most people are done the first page. So if you have a two-page two, two page activity, you should be halfway through. So it's not so much about the time. It's just like where, where are most people in the class? And I'll say that. I'll say, yeah, most people. And so it's okay if you're behind. It's okay if you're ahead. Right? So if you're ahead, maybe that means I can slow down a little and, and, and read this passage slower and get something out of it. And I don't have to really work too fast I can really soak it in and really understand it but if you are behind that means like okay you know I'm just gonna sort of pick up the pace a little so that everybody's on the same page we this is such an important part of equity right because we, we have all different we should have anyone that walks into our classroom I would love to get rid of tracking get rid of honors you know advanced college prep whatever you want to call it just get rid of all that right Let's have let's do this instead. It's simple. It keeps everybody at the same pace, learning together. You know, of course, there's going to be a little. There's going to be kids who just work faster than other kids. But if you have mixed ability levels in the groups that you assign, or even I find that kids mi have mixed ability group groups, um, even when you don't assign them, they just they sometimes they pair up with somebody who's really smart, and sometimes they pair up with somebody who's going to take a little bit longer. That person who's going to take a little bit longer, uh, right, we'll call them low ability level, uh, they listen, they do their best, they, they chime in when they can, right? Um, sometimes the, the, the kids who, who work really hard and, and um, complete the work very quickly, they work independently because they're just like, I want to do this by myself, the group is going to slow me down. Um, so I usually just will let students get into whatever groups they want and it works out. And sometimes, of course, I want groups of six. I want groups of two. You know, sometimes it depends on the activity, so how many people are in a group. 
and all those different things. And of course, that factors into, uh, that makes a difference for how much time something should take as well, too. If there's six people in a group, in theory, that should mean you go through the, the assignment faster, but it also might mean that there's a lot more conversation going on between the six people in that group. Two people working together might not have that much of a conversation. They might just be basically working independently, and when they stumble over something they don't understand, they're going to talk to the other person. I feel like most of my assignments sort of work that way, um, where I just have them group in pairs. You talk to the person next to you. You pretty much work independently. Then you have a little light conversation uh, when, when you need help sort of understanding a passage or understanding what's going on in the book at that point. Um, but, of course, it's different for every activity depending on what you're doing. Um, so that's, I think, uh, something to think about, too, is ec the equity thing. I and mean, it's really important that, of course, the different towns that we teach in have, a diverse, popu have diverse populations. I feel like most towns do, um, where there's a variety of different you know, kids coming into your class. And you should be able to teach anybody that lives in your town. And I know that's controversial, and I feel like people will disagree with me. Uh, but school, it, school is just school. It's, it's where you go to learn. We don't have to, to have separate classrooms for kids who are, you know, at a lower, have lower literacy rates or whatever you want to call it, um, or lower ability level. We don't need to have separate space for them. If, if we have them all in one class, they all just come in and they learn. And I think we can create assignments, even when I'm talking about with grading and with creating assignments, um, just simplify everything, just simplify everything. And the kids who are, are brilliant, hardworking kids are going to do fine with it. And the kids who are struggling a little will do their best, right? And that's what we have grades for, to, 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 to you know, see the differences between the kid at the top and the kid at the bottom. Um, but it's, it's just school. It, it, it's where they go to learn. So I think this is like a really, a really key part of, of finding a way to keep all kids at the same, going at the same pace, regardless of, of their ability level. Um, ultimately, it's not about going as fast as possible. It's about giving students the appropriate amount of time to understand the material. All right, so number four, keep due dates to a minimum. I often think about how many dates and times students have. I deal with this in the summer too. I manage a pool, and uh, I'm always asking kids to to kind of request the times that they need off. And when I look in there, I'm like, oh my gosh! <laughs> Even in the summer, their schedules are crazy. They have to coordinate with their parents. It involves travel. Uh, some kids are in college and they're taking online classes where they can't come come to work. They're playing sports. They're just relaxing. You know, <laughs> there's just different reasons, uh, especially during the school year, why kids have to keep track of a million dates and times. And our class is just, especially if they have a full course load, our class is just another uh, set of different things to keep track of. And I think we get frustrated sometimes when they, they, we feel like, how did you forget that date? Or how, why did you not do this assignment? Well, it's like they have, they really do have so much to keep track of, um, especially in high school, but even the younger kids. Um, so this includes not just tests and quizzes, or homework, but you got extracurricular activities, work. A lot of kids work. They have family responsibilities, hobbies. It's a lot to juggle. So I try to keep typically keep due dates and, and, and reminders in an online calendar. 
Um, and not even on the boards, but yeah, usually, I mean, I switch classrooms a lot, so it's sort of hard to keep the board updated. Some, sometimes we'll do a whiteboard on the corner or something like that. Um, so keep it somewhere visually in class, keep it online, and then also start, and then I also try to start as much as I can, right? Don't forget, you don't remember every day, but I try to start class with a very, very quick, again, this is all about reducing wasted time. So I try to make it very, very quick, remember this date, um, and you just say it over and over again. So when that time comes, it's like, listen, I say this every day in class. I got it on the board and I have it all online. So it's just, it's just, it's like unconscious. They know it's there. It doesn't matter if they're keeping it in their planner or not. They just know because it's a part of the class. And those three things don't, they don't take me a lot of time to do either. It's like one quick date on the board. Again, because I bundle, again, going back to number one, I bundle all my work. Um, so I sort of end a unit and begin a unit and around that time period is sort of when I'm collecting and assigning work. So it's kind of one date that I have to keep track of. It's every you know, unit can be anywhere from, well, really two to six weeks long, um, depending on what kind of unit I'm doing. Uh, but when they when there's that sort of final assessment, I collect the classwork and then they're reading, they read this is kind of a, you know, this is, I'm getting kind of specific about how I run my class, but I, I have my students read an entire novel independently at home. So they bring their notes for that novel, the next novel that we're going to study uh, after the, the essay that they take. So around the same time period, there's, there's a lot going on and they know that. And they know that things kind of wrap up and get started around the same time. Um, so all I have to do really, and I, I don't make assessments where they have to study. You know, I think, I think there's, if they want to study, they can. But the studying is like what they're doing in my class, right? They can go over their notes. They're welcome to do that, right? And of course, there are some connections that, that you make by going over your notes. And that's the point and the value of notes is being able to like make sense of it because it's organized and it's color coded. And however, they this is like a whole other topic for another day. But, um, you know, all of those things are for studying if they want to do it. But I also feel like if they're paying attention in class, and they bring their notes to their final assessment, their essay in my case, right? Then they should be able to use that, those notes to help them write the essay and they should be familiar enough with those notes because they took those notes, right? So that's the pre-writing process. It can happen in five minutes where they glance over their notes because they're so familiar with their notes. They just make sense of it and answer the question. So that's what we want kids to be able to manage their time in a way where they can do all this stuff quickly. And that doesn't always require studying for two or three hours at night to prepare for some question that we're going to give them. We're just, we're seeing, we're testing whether they paid attention in class. We don't have to, to test them on what they did at home. And again, talking about equity, a lot of kids work when they go home. A lot of kids have five or six siblings when they go home. They have small homes. They have bad internet connections. They have, you know, Dinner is like this really elaborate, long thing. Um, they have sports. I mean, the list goes on and on as to what is going on um, in these kids' houses on any given day. Um, so, so we want the test to be about what they learned in school. I feel crazy even saying it because why would it be otherwise? School is school. Come to school, learn, and then tell me about what you learned in school. Um, you know, so that's, I just think it's so important, um, to make school this, this 
thing where kid, everybody comes to work hard and then we see, we test them on, on that work, not some extra advantage they have because they got a tutor to help them with their work or because their parents are college educated and they explain the novel or the, the math or the physics to them because they have advanced degrees, right? This is about the kid comes into school and we wanna know what they learned there, right? Of course, there's gonna be kids that wanna learn and they love learning and they love reading and they can do all that extra stuff at home, but we want we want to make it fair, um, and so that's what this is all about too. Anyway, so when I put it online, I just I have the way that Cam, Canvas works. You know, I don't know what everybody's online platform is, but we can we can enter. I can enter one assignment and just say repeat assignment, and I click the the due date, which is the end sort of date. So I count the number of days. It's like twenty days, or whatever it is. And I say, you know, repeat this for 20 days. And I just say, read this book and take notes. And that's it. And they have one due date for the notes that they take on that book. Um, and that's, that's their homework. And I give them as, as much of time as I possibly can to get that done. I have projects in class that buy them time. There's different ways that I, that I extend units so that kids have enough time to read the novel. Of course, I always ask them at the end of the year, did you have enough time to read this? So I know I'm being a little hypocritical because I'm saying I don't give homework. Um, I think literature is just kind of, you know, I think everybody probably has some excuse like, oh, you can't really do a lab when you're in school or whatever. If we had reading labs, like science teacher had, has, has labs, you know, they could do some of that. I, I really do think that, that it would be wonderful if we had time to read novels in school. Um, yeah, and I'm always sort of trying to think of ways to make that happen, but anyway, um, I just try to limit it as much as I can uh, by making that repeated assignment online so it's simple and easy for them to follow. All right, talk about following stuff. My last one, number five, is give simple, uh, short directions. <laughs> if you've ever been to a faculty meeting, I'm like the worst at this, at a faculty meeting, <laughs> they say all this different, okay, this is what you're going to do. And uh, I just kind of tune them out. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I'm always the person that's like, all right, so what do we, I turn to the person next to me like, all right, what do we do? Um, it's boring. I, I don't like listening to directions. I like listening to, to somebody talk about something passionate, you know, that there or something that they're passionate in, sorry. Um, if it's literature class, if it's science class, we like listening to the physics, right? Not what we're supposed to do uh, for, for, for that assignment or that project. We just like actually doing it so the students tune us out especially they especially tune us out when we get these really really i used to give these really long descriptions of assignments because i wanted to make sure that they knew what they were doing you know but really you're doing the work for i found myself doing the work for them when i was describing in so much detail about what they're supposed to do then then how are they going to be creative and think independently and you know I, I don't know i think sometimes we do so much work to try to be specific about what we want. If we give short, simple directions, then the expectation is that they just kind of run with it, right? Um, and if they have questions, of course, that's again, we're walking around the class, they can always approach us. Um, but usually I'm just telling them, don't think so much about it. just answer the question, right? Um, and just go where you're going to go with it. Um, you know, if we're, they're going to tune us out if we're not talking about the interesting content in our curriculum. So printed directions can help, you know, they can follow as they listen to you, give the directions, they have it right in front of them. So that's always valuable. But generally my handouts, which are sort of professionally, I guess, or academically called guided notes, 
um, contain one simple sentence, like read the passage and take notes. So I'll have you know maybe 10 or 20 passages that I have to read and take notes on those passages. That's it. It's very simple, um, but it's very interesting because they get to read all these different passages. They have to figure out what's going on in, in that part of the book. They have to sort of, they have this one guided question. Um, and then in class, of course, with the, you know, if I have a one sentence direction, uh, set of directions, I might give verbal directions or write short directions on the board, right? So I might say it out loud for those, for those learners that like that. Um, but on the board, it might be, you know, especially if they're doing group work, right? They especially get lost because they're thinking about being in a group and who's in my group and all that. And, oh, you want to be in a group and they're not listening to anything you say. Uh, and, you know, you go, how many teachers like always talk about how kids don't listen to directions. So, of course, writing it on the board, but again, keeping it simple, you know, like, you know, quote, create a poster with interpretation of at least five quotes and include at least one visual image. So, yeah, I, I often do that. I'll say, all right, work your way through all of these passages uh, with your group and then pick the five best. So they have to, like they would do to write an essay, they pick the, the three or five quotes that they would include in a body paragraph. So you're getting them to do kind of mentally do that process with a group on a, on a poster uh, rather than in an essay. Uh, and then, or the, it might just be something where they have to write one simple question um, or answer one simple question related to the topic on an index card. And then I'll have those index cards and I'll put them under the document camera so everybody can kind of see different responses to a question that they came up with after they went through all the evidence uh, that, that will help them answer that question. Yeah, I might show examples of mind maps, uh, sketch notes and one pagers uh, from uh, model work completed by my form former students. My formal assessments are also one-sentence questions. <laughs> I sometimes include a quote, just I have the I teach the AP Literature and Composition, and that is basically how they do it too. It's one simple kind of one or two sentences that, it, that contains a topic that they're going to write about, and sometimes they have a, there's a quote there from someone or something, or the, maybe the, not the text itself that functions as food for thought. Uh, then specify, you know, the only other thing I might specify is what texts or sources they can use to answer the question. So maybe I played a podcast in class. Maybe we read an article. Maybe there was a poem. Maybe I, maybe I have a quote from a poem or a whole poem and say, consider this poem and relate it to the novel, whatever it is where there's uh, some synthesis where you have to sort of combine different um, sources together to, to come up with an uh, answer to the question. And then there's checklist or your rubrics. I try to keep those simple and go, I go over at the beginning of the year and I, I say, use the same checklist as many times as I can. Of course, some assignments are different, um, but I honestly, I don't, I don't think we can overload our kids with these rubrics all the time for every single assignment. You know, they just want to, they just want to have fun and do the work. If it's a fun assignment, they're just going to want to do it. And they don't want to have a billion rules to follow, right? We want obedient students, but we don't. We want them to think for themselves and be creative and go in their own direction. And sometimes it's just easier to make it simple. Um, my students typically know my expectations for writing from the beginning of the year. Um, and I find I just find in general that lengthy and confusing directions and rubrics, uh, especially rubrics, rubrics. I feel like oh, <laughs> I just get like I feel like I'm swimming in them whenever I see them. And I feel like I'm swimming in, in repeated expressions all the time and it drives me crazy. I don't really like rubrics. Anyway, I feel like, you know, if they're really big and, and you know, two pages long or whatever, you know, with all these little boxes, 
um, it can really stifle creativity and independent thought. It's also important, of course, to give students, like I'm kind of describing, not the same assignment all the time, but the, the opportunity to express themselves and their understanding of the material in any subject area. This doesn't have to be just English uh, in a variety of ways, like podcasts, short films, video essays, poetry, letters, journals, and short stories. The traditional test, um, there's a value to a traditional multiple choice or short answer test. But there's, of course, a, a tremendous value um, to uh, allowing a student to respond at length, um, you know, and, and express their understanding of physics, you know, science, math, social studies, uh, and not just in written form, but, you know, through presentations, through audio, pre-recorded audio, and all these different things. So that was that was a longer one. Maybe good for anybody that's got a long commute like me. <laughs> Sometimes I I only listen to podcasts if they're an hour or long. Um, but I would appreciate it if you um, like my podcast, you like listening to my podcast. If you give it a review, um, if you're able to do so wherever you get your podcasts, I'd really appreciate that. So I can uh, spread the word about what I'm doing. And again, if you want to check out my website, it's theteachersworkshop.com and see all the. I think I have over a hundred. Uh, blogs and podcasts uh, that you can sort of jump into if you're uh, just getting started teaching or if you're in year, uh, like we have two teachers that are uh, over 50 years in teaching. Can you believe that? Two teachers in my building that have been teaching for over over 50 years. Um, so wherever you're at in your journey, <laughs> try, to, try to keep it fresh with me, uh, get new ideas, and I uh, really appreciate a, a review if you could give it to me. Thank you. Thanks for listening.